Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 211 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden, episode 163 through 169, and the first three episodes of Full Metal Panic, wherein one intense, high-quality action gives way to boring, semi-romantic attempts at comedy, and in another, intense, high-quality action gives way to satisfying, stretchy-faced off-model Sakuga. Yeah, it's just gonna be what it's gonna be, because some places you gotta fight with robots, in some places, there be monsters. Yes, there be monsters. And sometimes, yeah. humans are robots too. Just, just stick with me here. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. You, 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 you stay right there. Jump in. Intense, too intense. About not, them not as intense. Not listening to you. I think it was pretty intense. Well, you know, I've been watching so much Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. I see. Yeah, I just can't stop. Won't stop. Anyways, what's going on? Uh, you know, uh, trying to get ready for Christmas, I guess. Um, I'm, I don't know. I've been working a lot. I need to do my Christmas shopping. I haven't done like almost any of it. So, and I'm we're leaving for, I'm going to visit my family in Tennessee in a week. So we have to do it all in a week. <laughs> That's me. I've been very stressed about it. I don't want to think about it. I only want to play Pokemon. It's the only thing I care about. <laughs> yeah. What's going on with you? <laughs> Not much. Not playing as much Pokemon. However, a friend of mine, <laughs> he did like a, a full-on explanation of what happens inside of the Pokemon games, the new ones. He like, I was, Oh, like the storyline? Yeah, I was kind of bored at work, and he was just like, broke it down for me. And the hearing the explanation of these games' plotlines just sounds batshit crazy. When you just like, hear about it from like, somebody else's perspective that like, doesn't know what's happening inside of the games at all, when they're just like, somebody from the future makes an AI version of themselves to go back in the future to fight each other with Pokemon. It's just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I haven't finished the game story. I'm very close to the end. I think I'm one away from finishing everything except Team Star, where I'm two away. And then I, it's my belief or understanding that there is some like story fusion at the end. Not that the three stories turn out to have been a single story, but that like, you know, like the gyms there, the, the, the gym path is classic. So it is the eight gyms and you mark off your progress one through eight, but technically as is tradition, when you're done with the gyms, there's an elite four and there is, very clearly and explicitly an elite four in this game. And so like, you know, I, I will consider myself to have completed the gym story once I get my eighth badge, which is what I'm going for now. But I would also say that the elite four is additional story that is not technically, or at least from what I can see currently in my playthrough does not seem to be technically considered a part of the champion's path storyline as far as how the game is logging it, but is also very clearly either a part of it or directly related to it. And 
So I'm sort of like, I'm expecting that the, the sort of like gym quest team star uh, Titan battles, each of those storylines seems like it's going to have some sort of final confrontation that will probably be indicated. Like once I, once I finish the last Titan, I suspect that there will be a like, Hey, this is the finale. And if you want to, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be a battle with somebody, uh, and so whoever it is will be like, if you want to battle me here or there's a you know secret sixth Titan or I don't know, something's going to happen. And it's going to be like, there's a final thing and go to this place to the final thing. Mm-hmm. And it will say five out of five on the Titan path, but there will be a sort of like secret final thing is how I'm guessing this is going to play out uh, again, sort of using the gyms as the best, most well-known example of like, yeah, when you beat the eight gems, you're done with the gym storyline, but you're not actually done with what the eight gems were building up to. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to see it, but yeah, I think the story of this game has been pretty solid so far. It seems like they're taking all, uh, some interesting bigger swings while also maybe doing some interesting smaller swings. Uh, like uh this is a mild story spoiler for the team star storyline it seems like team star's whole thing is uh bullying is the problem that team star sort of exists as a reaction to the existence of bullying and that is pretty small scale compared to like i don't know dimensional travel from like sun and moon um or you know global energy crisis from uh sword and shield so uh, I think splitting the stories is allowing them to tell some interesting smaller things uh, while also, you know, partly because the world is so big, but I think they, I think they have, there's a certain scale to it uh, that, that is, yeah, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, definitely the scale is bolstered by the fact that you really have to travel a long way to get from one place to another. <laughs> and the parts of the story are generally scattered uh, across the map. So you have to travel from one to the other, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's just a, they're doing a good job with the story this time. And I feel like they're also, uh, you can really tell, especially with like some of the Pokemon designs and names that the Pokemon company has uh, in the last couple of generations. And especially this one begun to embrace the idea that like Pokemon is goofy. And if we are goofy about it, then everyone can have a good time. And they're doing a good job with that too. All right. Well, I have uh, I have a question about this this week's news because I I didn't really have a lot other than the fact that I've been keeping up with the new Bleach and man oh man it is really really exceeding expectations and yeah. I need other people to have watched the same amount of episodes <laughs> as me because I swear to God I started talking about something today that just happened in the most previous episode to one of my friends at work that's watching anime and he was just like, well, I, I, I'm rereading the manga and watching the anime again. So I don't want to talk about it. I, I don't want, I just want to like relive it again. And I'm just like, can I just have one water cooler fucking conversation with somebody? Nobody knows. <laughs> Here's I'm what living, I, so I'm I, living in a water cooler world week to week with this fucking show. And everybody else is just like, I'll get to it. And I'm like, fuck, I missed that. Why can't I get this? I have been, uh, 
so busy lately, but I do have a note to watch the episodes of that and of Chain Summon and uh, write some stuff. So I, I'm, I'm intending to start writing some stuff in the new year, uh, and that will lead to me getting caught up, and then I will water cooler with you. Yeah. I just needed it to happen sooner. Do you have any other news? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't. I didn't see any anime th- news this week, or at least, you know, I don't know. You know, my Google News feed really thinks I'm interested in certain things right now, which I am interested in them. But they're, it seems like it's moved away from anime a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see anything this week. Okay, well, let's talk about this uh, horrible anime that you made me watch again. I've seen this anime before. The first like you 10 have? episodes. Oh yeah. I tried to pick it up Wait. because somebody suggested it for me for like uh, a mech show to pick up and get used to and see for the first time. And then I did. And I was unimpressed the first time. And I was mad <laughs> that you put it back on the list. <laughs> well, uh, this was a suggestion. It was suggested by Taushin. Toshin. Tushin. Every time. Taushin suggests a lot of things. Every time. I uh, wonder aloud how exactly it's pronounced, and I don't believe I've been corrected yet in in the Discord, so get to it. Uh, But yeah, this was suggested by Taoshin. It's a show called Full Metal Panic. You might have heard of this because I, as somebody who had never seen it, uh, had heard of it for many, many years. Uh, This is a, a show. It's based on a series of light novels, which generally I don't enjoy those shows. And uh, it it was created, let's see, it's listed as Volumes 23. So I am interpreting that as 23 volumes of the light novel series. The publication ran from September 18th, 1998 to August 20th, 2011. So that's that's a long run, 13 years. Oh, yeah. Um, The... The anime itself, we specifically watched Full Metal Panic. There are additional series uh, called Full Metal Panic Fumofu, Full Metal Panic uh, The Second Raid, which is also season two, and Full Metal Panic Invisible Victory, which is season three. Uh, Our first one is just called Full Metal Panic. It is a 24-episode anime series that debuted in 2002 after its original air date was canceled because of the September 11th attacks, which happened in late 2001. I thought that was surprising. Um, And it looks like it ran until... uh, It ran from January to June of 2002 for a total of 24 episodes. And uh, there were also three director's cut movies based on the first television season. Those were announced in 2017 and released uh, through to early 2018. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming those are just high quality, sort of like condensed storytelling of the first 24 episodes. Um, the premise is there's a military organization that uses really sweet mechs and uh, they are given a mission to protect a Japanese... I'm assuming high school student, but I don't know, maybe middle school student. It's hard to tell characters' ages sometimes. Uh, And so one of the military people is installed uh, 21 Jump Street style. Uh, Man, if we were able to draw more parallels to 21 Jump Street, I would have enjoyed this a lot more. Uh, They are installed as a 
school student uh, as the classmate of this person that they are trying to protect. Uh, and then, I don't know, I guess classroom shenanigans ensue mostly, at least from these first three episodes in the form of the person installed there being a hair trigger as far as worrying that various things happening around this student are, you know, secret assassination attempts that are about to take place in front of him and the student being completely oblivious to all of this and everyone being at best sort of turned off by the strange behavior of this newcomer and at worst uh, believing that he is some sort of menace. And so it's mostly slice of life school comedy. It seems like there will be romantic tension between the installed military member and the person he's supposed to be protecting. There is also a very high quality anime mech action sequence at the beginning that was thrilling and uh, then quickly turned into some sort of bait and switch red herring because no more of that happened in the rest of the first three episodes and it was awesome and I was totally in and then it switched into a show that I did not care for and uh, there is uh, periodic cutaways to like military subterfuge happening elsewhere but their connection to what's going on at the school is not revealed yet as far as I could tell and seems awfully tenuous so far. And also I thought maybe this Japanese school schoolgirl was like the daughter of a diplomat or something. But then I became suspicious when that never was mentioned and the Wikipedia summary just listed her as a Japanese schoolgirl. <laughs> And I don't know why they're protecting her, and I don't know why the show convinced me in the first few minutes that it was a badass action show, and then uh, almost entirely abandoned that right away, and uh, very disappointed. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, man. This, this anime is just one that is so not for me, and it's just, wow, it's 90s. It's like... It's like so, so 90s. Like they took characters from 90s television shows that they had seen and they were just like, let's just inject the cast of Saved by the Bell into a anime about mechs and see what happens. It's just, uh. I, I, I really don't like this show. It, it's just not for me. Um, if you're going to give me mechs, Give me a main character that is dealing with, you know, really difficult issues like the fate of the world and the souls of everybody, uh, like an Evangelion, or give me crazy space politics. I'd rather watch that than, you know, in a Gundam than this. It it really By crazy space politics. Away. Do you mean Power Rangers lost in space? No, no, I never mean that. Oh. Stop bringing well, it. That's up. confusing to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the the thing about it though is uh, okay. And there's so I, I I mentioned that there is this really sick action sequence that is beautifully animated, and. Uh, it happens like right at the beginning of the show. It's the first like, I don't know, two, five minutes of the show. And there is like a mysterious girl and she's picked up by this military organization. What happened to her? Where did she go? 
She's shown in the first episode. I don't think she shows up again. I don't remember her being alluded to. What happened? It seems like there's really cool action military setup. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the Wikipedia article, which I know Wikipedia is not the perfect source, but it's usually pretty reliable, lists the genres of this as mecha military action. And you know what I like? All three of those things, especially when they're working together. And I really liked the first few minutes of this show. And then it just jettisons it. And and I think that at, at the beginning, I was pretty interested in where it was going, even though I could tell that it was going to a place I didn't care for. I don't like the slice of life stuff. I didn't particularly like this slice of life stuff. And... I could tell that that's what the show was going to do, but it opens with this awesome sequence. So I was like, if this is the kind of show where you sit through, you know, 15 minutes of a 24 minute episode of them doing high school bullshit, but it leads to some cool action sequence at the end that's sort of loosely related to what's been going on or to the, you know, secret military plot happening in the background. And then, you know, the last two episodes of the finale are much more action-packed than usual because everything's coming to a head. You know, if the action is good enough, and it seemed like it might have been based on that first sequence, then sometimes I may be willing to sit through that stuff to get to the good stuff. And uh, I thought maybe that's what this show was going to be. And it's just fucking not. Like, the, the, the mecha action stuff does not show up again. There is a guy in a mech, like the the high school dude is part of a unit of three people. And one of those people is doing like nearby surveillance in a mech that has high tech cloaking technology, which by the way, that has to be so expensive to maintain how I know that this logic doesn't enter into the series, but like, how can they justify having like a, a secret agent installed and two two people there to like sort of help as like monitoring and communications but also one of them gets to just take one of their war machines and hide it in the middle of town just as part of like the, he could just be using a camera he could just be using a trench coat on the street and hiding around the corner he would achieve the same end and save the state probably thousands of dollars a day i don't know what what's going on but that log that sort of like shift in the purpose of these mechs which I assume will at some point in the show, yes, engage in some more awesome action. Like, but it, it just didn't happen. And in the first three episodes, which is over 10% of the first season, I, I don't understand what we're getting at here. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Why did we abandon this? If you, this is going to be a part of your show, but such a small part that you could excise it entirely and the show would be unchanged. Like if you took out those first two minutes and just said like, Hey, these are military people. Uh, I guess mechs exist, but like the action sequence, it was unrelated so far in the three episodes to what's going on. And like, I I'm fine with shows like having secrets and not telling you everything up front. I think that's usually best. But there isn't even an indication that these things are related. It just seems like an unrelated event occurs. And then the story shifts to characters that were at this unrelated event. But that event didn't have anything to do with anything. And it's just so weird. I'm just so confused about what the show is trying to do. It seems so discordant. And it's like, if you like the slice of life comedy stuff, it's probably fine. 
But uh, it also has this other element that seems like very clearly a part of it based on everything I can find about the show, except the show doesn't seem to care about it at all. And it just leaves me being like so confused about what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. You're left with that for a couple of more episodes, by the way, before it takes a a turn back to plot. But it's just yeah. I I think that it's I think that it's more of a slow burn than uh, especially you want it to be. Um, as somebody who watches anime slow, um, I cannot imagine how the show survived as long as it did when it was releasing like week to week. Well, it is it is a popular genre. The slice of life, you know slow burn romance tension kind of like they hate each other because of comic misunderstandings, but they'll, you know, eventually care for each other sort of thing is cool. Adding in this like military assassination threat element of that is interesting. Kind of similar to Nisekoi where it's like Nisekoi is a show about high school hijinks and forced romantic partnering and pining. But there's also like the, you know, the mafia element of it that doesn't generally add much more than just sort of like background stakes to explain why the characters are going along with this scheme. It's like, this has a lot of similarities to that, but it also just, I don't know the way that the way that Nisekoi presents its premise, it makes sense for it to fade into the background because Nisekoi is clearly a romance story and the mafia stuff is clearly a framing device. Whereas this action sequence is awesome. And these are military members and their mission is, you know, a cover. And so it's like everything about the way that this plot line is presented says the action and the military stuff is going to be the point. And then it just fucking disappears. And it's so weird. I don't get it. And if the shit hits the fan, that's great. But like, I it's these first three episodes fail at telling you what this is going to be because they write a check that the show is unwilling to cash or even acknowledge. And if it does it later, it's like you kind of miss the boat. Like you, you're you have twenty four episodes. You spent three ignoring the premise of your show. Like that's a fail for me. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder sometimes too if this is a this is a product of the generation of anime that it was coming out as where like people were trapped into a television show format, you know, like Mm -hmm. when this was coming out, you had to watch anime at a specific time. If you wanted to get the latest episode of something and you could slow burn people more with stuff like that because yeah, it's like the dragon ball Z power ups. Like people are going to watch because they, they're waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah, and you can you can string people along easier. Whereas, like, uh, I don't think it's good storytelling to do something like that. But you know, especially if you're doing a cash grab anime, which I'm not saying that this show is, but um, if you're doing a cash grab and want to make you know multiple multiple seasons of something and leave people being like, what the fuck was that first thing for a really long time? It's a good way to get people back with a question, you know. Yeah. And I, I or just show them a know. taste of what they could have later on and you know they're just going to stick by week by week to see if they can get a you know that thing back again yeah. as well. And I I will say again, I I'm going to stop harping on this, but that opening sequence was awesome and I was totally in. 
And I was like, I will sit through all the stuff that I know I'm not going to care about that I know some people do care about. And we're not the best messengers for like, if you love slice of life, you probably don't love our reviews, even though I think we do try to give a little bit of, you know, credence to the fact that like, this is something that is for some people and we're not those people, but can we imagine if those people would like it or not? And I think those people would like this. Um, but I thought, uh, that, that aside, I thought the action stuff presented at the beginning was so good that I was like totally in to sort of like, you know, put my head down and get through the stuff I didn't like. And it does make me curious about like, Hey, would I like these movies? If you only have, you know, a 90 minute to, to two hour runtime to tell or, you know, three of those to tell what is supposed to be, you know, about an hour, an episode and 24 episodes, like you're going to have to cut out a lot of this bullshit and get right to it. And is that getting to it going to be more interesting? Like if I pulled up that movie that is the first of three based off of these 24 episodes, would I really, really like it? Even if it had these parts that I didn't care for because it doesn't dick around so much at the beginning. I don't know. I'm kind of curious about that. Um, I, I wonder people who are familiar with this series, what they would think as far as like having listened to this show and knowing what I'm into. Do you think I would like that? Is that something I should look into? Uh, or is it just going to be more of the stuff that I didn't like about this and a little bit more of that like bait and switch feeling with the action sequences where it's really not about that? Um, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to hear. Also, uh, of note, <laughs> in the Wikipedia article, it mentions that there was a live action film adaptation announced by Mandalay Pictures in April of 2009 with Zach Efron rumored to be attached to the project. Um, who has since confirmed that a meeting took place regarding the project, but that the adaptation was unlikely to happen. Mm. That's insane. <laughs> you know, that's just what Zac Efron does. I like Zac Efron. I mean, I'm a gay, I'm, I'm required, but uh, I think he's done some interesting stuff with his career. He's similar to uh, Daniel Radcliffe, where it's like he was sort of he became an actor that was known for one specific thing and then has in some ways sort of rejected that with his career since. Uh, so I'm kind of, I don't know. I find that really interesting that he was picked for that. I will say his, his acting credits in 2009 was 17. Again, high school musical three was 2008. Um, High School Musical 2 was 2007. So this was still around when he was little baby Zac Efron. So I guess that makes more sense for him as like an adaptation of this show. Presumably, you know, set in a Western high school. Uh, I guess I could see Zac Efron doing that. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's never talk about this again. <laughs> yep, let's do it. Anyways, uh, we have Naruto to talk about. So, Blake, what happened previously? The show Naruto is about a ninja boy. And um, he wants to be a ninja man and everybody hates him. <laughs> and this is not exactly his fault because when he was a baby, there was a big demon attack on the village, giant Fox and their ninja president at the time sacrificed his life to make the Fox go away. But unfortunately the way that they decided to make the Fox go away was to shove it into the little baby's body. And, uh, Everybody in the village was like, you are the kid that 
has the thing responsible for this big destruction inside of you. And now we all hate you for it. And also his parents died that day. And so he grew up an orphan. So that's, uh, that was sort of like a, a double whammy of ostracization. Nobody in the village would talk to him, but also his parents were dead. So they wouldn't talk to him. And so he was alone for a long time. And he decided that since everybody's a ninja, he's going to become a ninja and he's going to be the best one. And then everybody will have to be his friend, just like Michael Scott, his dream. When he grows up, he'll have a billion kids so that everybody will be his friend and nobody can say no to being his friend. That is Naruto's motivation as well. He will become the best so that everyone must be friends with him. Uh, He has largely succeeded in the friendship thing. (laughs) That's sort of his backstory, but uh, these days he's become a mu- he's become a ninja. He's become much better at stuff. He's not such a nuisance anymore because he doesn't demand attention all the time. Because he has uh, developed actual relationships through his training as a ninja, and he's become a pretty strong boy. Uh, he's also developed some pretty strong enemies. The big enemies are this organization called the Akatsuki. They are a semi-secret organization, I guess a shadow organization, that has been working toward a mysterious goal that seems to be centered around these giant demons that have been shoved into people hither and yore. So uh, there are nine of them, and they have various number of tales ranging from one to nine, and the Akatsuki has been collecting them in more or less tail order, in order to do something. We're going to actually find out uh, sort of what that something is today um, because the presumed leader of the Akatsuki has shown up in Naruto's home village to attack it and be, you know, causing destruction and killing people left and right until Naruto shows up and he can do a kidnap on him. And, uh, and he's really just... Real real focused on that, but he chose a bad time because Naruto is not at home. And also, all of the people that live there are uh, doing a sort of weird I am Spartacus about the whole situation where they're like, uh, he is our comrade and we'll never tell you where he is. Instead of just being like, he's not fucking here, go away, which I think would have been more effective. Um, but, you know, to that end, this guy named Payne who is sort of a gestalt person. He's he's one guy in six bodies, kind of, and each of the bodies super specializes in some weird ninjutsu. Well, there's one that seems to be the main one that looks an awful lot like the adult version of a kid that we saw in a flashback of Jiraiya, which is an older famously powerful ninja who recently was killed by pain on an infiltration mission for the leaf village who also served as a mentor to naruto and before that as a mentor to the kid that looks like the younger version of this guy pain uh this main one hadn't shown what he could do and when he when he talks to tsunade who is the current ninja president uh he's she tells him that naruto's not there and he's like i'm mad that I did all this destruction and that you guys just fucking lied to me uh, about Naruto being here this whole time when he was not here and I wasted all this time. And so I'm going to push your entire village into rubble. And he uses his special power called Almighty Push, which is basically a gravity sphere that he can extend out from himself or a sort of gravity magnetic sphere that he can pull things into himself. So he does a big push and he makes the village into rubble. 
and everybody is barely able to survive because of Tsunade's slug friend. And then Naruto appears because they, while he was away training, they sort of got word that there might be some shenanigans occurring. And so he shows up right after everything gets pushed into smithereens. And he is ready to, to face pain on his own. And that's what we're going to do today. And that's going to bring us into... Oh, also, there's a girl that has a crush on him. Her name's Sonata. Uh, that's going to bring us into uh, Naruto Shippuden episode 163. Episode 163, Explode Sage Mode! Uh, which yeah! is how you are required to say this episode name. Uh, Naruto is going to fight against... It just makes me against... think of the scene from Forgetting Sarah Marshall where he's trying to learn how to surf. And Paul Rudd yeah. is just like, Max Blood. Yeah, you just... You pop up. You just pop uh, up. <laughs> well, you got to do more than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, man. Anyway. Uh, also, so um, he gets there just in time to see that uh, the village has been completely destroyed. And uh, he's just like, where is everybody? And then he, like, feels <laughs> around and we? he's just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. What the fuck just happened? And so he's going to get into a big old fight against the pains. However, uh, Sonati is going to turn up first and she's going to be like, it's my fight. And he's just like, go sit down, old lady. <laughs> she's like, I'm the president. And he's like, I'm the main character. And she's like, you have a great point. Yeah. I will leave. <laughs> yeah. And so um, uh, one of the one of the things that's really, really wild about this fight sequence, by the way, uh, I, I really don't think that these episodes really need to be named as we're running through them. Uh, so I'm just going to no, go ahead and give you them fight. all now because it is one sequence. Um, uh, next episode is 164 danger sage mode limit reached episode 165 nine tails captured episode 166 confessions episode 167 planetary devastation episode 168 the fourth Hokage and episode 169 the two students because this might be the best sequence story told in a succinct number of episodes that Chippenden does up to this date. Like I think Yeah, that, this is some of the best fighting and storytelling in the series so far. It's, it's really also, good. I would say this will come up probably a few times. There's a lot going on. There are lots of twists and turns to the fight. So there will be plenty for us to talk about. But this is a lot of fighting. There's uh, The fight slows down near the end of our coverage today. But for a few of these episodes, it's mostly combat. And that is really hard to cover on the, the podcast. Usually we default to just being like, this is a fight worth watching. Go watch it. And boy, this is a fight worth watching. Go watch it. If you can only watch one episode, um, the specific one you should watch is... Uh, Planetary Devastation, 167. That is mm. the fucking bomb. Yeah, I would <laughs> it say... It is so good. I, I was watching it on my episode, upstairs office TV, and I left to go watch it on the good one downstairs because it was so badass. Yeah, I would say, honestly, you can go from episode 165 to 167, and it it the animation start really cranks... it. All of the animation is good. The animation mm. starts to hit the crank as soon as Hinata has her moment. And it is 
it is that that sequence as well is really really well done. But anyways, oh yeah, they give Hinata her moment for real. But yeah, yeah. That, I guess that's later. <laughs> so uh, Naruto is going to appear. He's already in sage mode. He's got a whole bunch of big giant frogs with him and the two old frog people. Um, he is going to get into a fight with the different pains. Um, one of my favorite things that he happens when he appears is that Tsunade is there and they just send one of the pains, the mecha one that's been reanimated at this point. He's just going to go and kill Tsunade really quick. And Naruto just immediately is above him and smashing his fist into him, crushing him into the ground. And so he's it's just good. gone immediately. Naruto, this is also a good moment of like Naruto is different. Uh, Naruto has been getting different. And, and if you listen to these episodes and you listen to my recaps, you'll know that I usually allude to that because in the first series, Naruto is mostly inept and slowly becomes more apt as the series progresses. And then by the end, he's pretty on top of things. This is after the time skip. So he's very on top of things from the beginning while still, you know, learning and growing. And, uh, he just finished a big training arc somewhere else. And we got to see some of it and be like, Hey, this is going to make a difference. And it does. And it feels good. This feels right in a way that I think some previous recent training arcs haven't worked so well. And it's just like having Naruto show up and be a badass feels correct now in a new way. And I really, really like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's finally hit that turn inside of Shippuden that I had been waiting for. I I mm-hmm. do, I couldn't remember if it happened with the Jiraiya fight or if it was just like that was the catalyst for the turn into Shippuden that I loved the most. But no, it's it's really that's the start of it that kind of sparks it for me. But as we start the to roll downhill with this fight against the pains, it really really starts to explode forward. Um, yeah, this is a big turning point, I think, for the series. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit of talk no jutsu inside of this episode, too, uh, where um, he is going to reveal, Pain is going to reveal that uh, he was also a disciple of Jiraiya, which is a pretty big deal because everybody was just like, who are these people? Um, because it seems like they are all fighting together and they are connected. But where did they come from? Well, it turns yeah. out that they are puppets. This is going to be revealed to uh, Naruto via... Um, I can't remember if it's the the frog or the slug. What a weird thing to say. Anime is weird, you guys. <laughs> I love anime. There's that moment when Naruto shows up and he's just surrounded by frogs. And there was, I was like, this is so cool. And it has no fucking right to be, but it is. <laughs> so good. But yeah... This is this has been an open question for Naruto. Uh, basically, ever since Pain was revealed, uh, they also revealed backstory for Jiraiya. And it was like, hey, Jiraiya met these kids one time during the war, and he took them under his wing and spent a few spent like a year, maybe a few years, teaching them to be ninjas so that they would not get insta killed in the war. But then he had to go leave and continue doing war stuff and he the war was so bad that he was like man i hope they made it but uh even with all the training i gave them you know it's kind of a, a coin flip then you see you see conan which is Payne's right hand lady who looks exactly like the older version of the girl from the stories and then you see 
pain, and there's six of them, and that's weird. But one of them, who seems to be the main one, as I alluded to in the previously on, looks like one of the kids. And then there was a third kid who has not shown up, but he had special eyes, as many characters in Naruto do, and his special eyes are now on all of the pains, including the one that looks like the other boy kid that Jiraiya trained. And that's weird. And so everybody's like, where's that one kid? These two, one of the pains and pains right hand man seem like two of the three kids from previously. And they seem like they've got the eyes from the other one and what's going on. But because pain is multiple people, there's a question of like, is this the kids or were the kids like maybe killed and just like their bodies are being used by pain. And so this is that confirmation of like, yeah, these were the kids. This, this is his former apprentices. This is not just like a, a fake out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think one of the things that you're going to have to get used to inside of these moments as well is that they're going to give you a piece of the information, but not a hundred percent of it. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that makes pain interesting. And also kind of infuriating as a character is that he just kind of speaks in like really big terms about how he's going to make, make everything good for a while and also bring peace with destruction. And he even admits, yeah. he's just like, I'll bring the peace. It will only last a little while, but it will be some peace. And I'm just like, then was it worth it then? Just like to yeah. create a cataclysm? God. Yeah. He, he speaks almost exclusively in vague, lofty platitudes. Yeah, he's pretty obnoxious. It, yeah, but it's also... It's bad and good at the same time, where you're like, stop talking like that. Say what you mean. Be direct. But also, you're like, okay, this is a, this is a megalomaniac, and that's an interesting villain type. Like he he is high on his own supply and he's going for it. And you're like, okay, uh, we might just have to beat the shit out of this guy because he 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 may be crazy, but he also may have a point. You know, I, it's sort of like the Thanos Magneto problem where you're like, ah, I don't agree with how you're going about this, but you did pinpoint an issue that is for real. And you know, as we get into this fight and as Pain starts to reveal more and more about like who he really is and what his intentions are his whole thing basically boils down to Jiraiya believed that there should be, well, I'm going to make a real controversial statement here. Jiraiya believed that there should be peace instead of war. And he also believed that the ninja world has a sort of like fatal flaw that is, the sort of hatred inherent in the system that creates a, a sort of like cycle of violence and Jiraiya through becoming a more powerful ninja, he wanted to use that power to find a pathway to peace. And this is actually why he became a writer because he wanted to present ideas to the world that would maybe lead to people thinking less violently and with less hatred. Well, as we've learned, Pain being his former disciple, and specifically a disciple that he picked up as a war orphan refugee and trained 
to hopefully survive a war that was still going on throughout the entirety of the training. Payne's version of Jiraiya's dream is, hey, everyone sucks a bunch, and that's why they all hurt each other. And I am going, basically he reveals that like he's gathering the tailed beasts to create a super weapon to cause so much devastation that people will live in fear and sorrow instead of hatred. And that peace, basically he will create such a horrific global terror event that there will not be room in people's hearts to continue the hatred and the ensuing violence because they will be so fucking devastated by the horrible things he's going to do that they won't have it in them to continue war. And it is very Thanos when you think about it. It's not maybe not quite as cohesive as Thanos's plan, but you're just like, hey, he sees a problem and he is willing to do the bad thing to make the problem go away. And I would argue that that is often what a good villain does, is that the villain has resigned themselves to doing something horrible in order to fix a problem, and the hero also wants to fix that problem but believes that the horrible thing is just another horrible thing. They either won't fix it or that the fixing of it through that means will not be worth it. And Naruto definitely is that ideological opposite here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the other issue that uh, Naruto is going to run into a bunch of times. His ability is this new big giant shuriken Rasengan that he throws out. And the problem I'm saying with this is that, number one, it's the ability seems like if you have the ability to just kind of jump away from stuff and also <laughs> push yourself away from things or push things away... Um, you're going to be able to deal with that relatively easily. Um, he, it's going to show that's that pain's it's going <laughs> he's going to be able to get one of the pains because it just kind of comes out of nowhere. He wasn't expecting it to be able to expand and it gets one of the yeah. pains. But after that pain who absorbs things is just going to be like, I'm done with this. Um, and so it gets to the point where um, Taijutsu, Gen, uh, Taijutsu and uh, his, his new big giant boom ability are not going to be able to deal with pain. And so he's like, well, we'll use Genjutsu then. And so uh, he also reveals, oh, this is important, um, that Sage Mode only lasts for like five minutes because it takes a long time to build up that energy. And uh, so <laughs> he you just is... burn through it. You burn it through yeah. all your carbs. Yeah, so he is going to... Uh, he is going to reveal that he can release or summon other shadow clones that are training up into the toad village and yeah, he left release them so that they can get power the mountain. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so he's basically, this is an extension of the workaround that he found during training, which was, Hey, the problem with Sage mode is that you have to be still in order to gather nature energy, this is sort of like ambient energy of nature around you, you have to you have to be still. And if you're trying to do that in, in the middle of a fight, I don't think it's very difficult to imagine how that might be a challenge. 
And so Naruto's like, hey, my solution to everything is shadow clones. It seems like a great solution here. And they were all like, yeah, thumbs up. That's the solution. But uh, that doesn't solve the limit on the time limit problem. And Naruto's like, hey, I figured that out with shadow clones too, because I left some clones of myself to go sit and be still and gather uh, energy. And as we learned in a previous training arc, when I developed the Rasen Shuriken in the first place, if one of me does a thing, when I dispel that copy of me, the stuff that that copy did is absorbed by the original. And so he's essentially leaving a, a few versions of himself to be still and concentrate and gather nature energy and then he will use a reverse summoning jutsu technique to bring them to him one at a time from where they've been gathering energy. And then he dispels them. And so he goes basically from zero, zero nature energy to full charge in an instant. And it is a really fun workaround. And I feel like there are a lot of more fun applications of this technique. But in this fight, I was like, this is a really satisfying explanation of how he's going to be able to do this because the whole like your new technique you only have like x number of uses or you only have a few minutes it's a decent plot device but it it often feels like maybe a little hand wavy because it's like okay well five minutes for this author can kind of take as long as the author feels like it needs to take and so that can sometimes be sort of an arbitrary limitation that like we as an audience don't feel but here it's like, hey, Naruto can do a few cool things and then he runs out of sage mode. Then he's got to summon a clone and he's got three of them. So those are the limits. And it feels really nice and succinct. Yeah. All right. So um, Payne is going to be able to deal with uh, a couple of different things. First and foremost, he is going to try to steal all of Naruto's chakra. But the problem with that is that when you steal sage chakra, it's nature energy and it turns you into a frog statue. So that's how he deals yeah. with one of the pains. Um, I loved then, that. Cute yeah, little it, workarounds. Great. Yeah, it's a, it's a great workaround for this. The other problem is that he's like, okay, we'll use Genjutsu. So uh, Pa, the old frog man, is going to uh, use his Genjutsu, but he, right yeah, when he's about to complete do this. complete ass at Genjutsu. He cannot do it. Yeah, right before he is able to use his Genjutsu, though, um, he gets pulled in and uh, stabbed to death. Like... It happened so fast. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I don't like it. And that makes me appreciate it. <laughs> if that makes sense, right? Do you feel that way? Yeah, yeah. I like, appreciate it in the way endearing. that I appreciate Game of Thrones deaths, where it's just like, yeah. you know, I'm attached to this thing. Please don't. Oh, you've already killed it. Um, yeah. So. I looked away for one second, George. <laughs> Yeah, his next book is just called Don't Get Attached to Anybody, the book about <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire. Anyways. Yeah, um, if you so haven't yeah. learned that with Game of Thrones yet, I mean, I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> yeah, he's just going to beat the brakes off of Naruto for a minute and then trap yeah. him by stabbing one of his, like, energy-infused rods through first his hand and then his hands together and then the rest of his body. And the yeah, only way... Yeah, it's visceral. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, this is great, too, because it's like, yeah, the pains working as a unit have essentially disarmed Naruto. He's not good at genjutsu. And then Fukasaku, the older frog, 
is killed, who was Naruto's genjutsu workaround. And it's like, Naruto's run out of clones. He can't do sage mode anymore. He's not strong enough without sage mode to win. And Pain just starts beating the shit out of him. And it's important to note here that, again, Pain is trying to capture Naruto so that he can do a ritual to pull the fox demon out of Naruto's body. And so the goal is not only not to kill... He's not trying to kill Naruto. He's, in fact, trying explicitly to keep Naruto alive. Because if he kills Naruto, I don't know exactly what happens to the fox demon, but it's not going to work out for him. Uh, like the, the Fox demon doesn't get released when Naruto dies. I don't know what the rules are, but basically we can safely assume that pain will lose immediate, if not permanent access to the Fox demon. And so it's like, he's doing what he can to, to beat Naruto without killing him. But Naruto has killed several of his, his versions of himself. He has been a real pain in the ass. And so pain is like very happy with inflicting a lot of damage on Naruto as sort of like payment for making this harder than pain thought it should be. And it's really brutal. It's very visceral and it works so, so well. Yeah. Yeah, man. The next sequence is just going to, it's going to be real hard for some people that have been picking up what the creator has been laying down inside of the manga. I feel like way more than the anime. Um, but Hinata is going to jump into the rescue of Naruto. Um, she is going to fight as hard as she possibly can against pain. Uh, the problem is that pain is really not going to be challenged at all by Hinata. She is on a completely lower level than he is. However, we are going to be revealed that Nagato, the controller of pain, as the puppet from a great distance, his weakness is he is dying. He is actively dying. He is coughing up blood in the middle of this fight because he is pushing himself so hard. And in the middle of... It's almost a little bit like Kimimaro, where he was like already not in great shape, but he's had to do so much that like now death is kind of imminent. Yeah. And so um, he is going to be pushed to his limit. And in that moment, um, he is going to lose focus and just long enough to where Hinata is going to be able to break one of them. Uh, these, these poles that are sticking out of Naruto's bodies. Um, yeah. She and- also has a technique that sort of mm, disrupts chakra flow. Yes. So you could argue that she or somebody from her family are the actual perfect counter to Payne's ability mm-hmm. and that this is very serendipitous. I would, I also don't, didn't she like land a bit of a glancing blow and it's sort of like messed with like, cause we know, and we haven't known this beforehand, but Nagato is the third kid that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. and he is alive and he is secretly the real pain. And he controls them all using the like piercings that they all ha- have, which are these control rods. And he he controls them from a distance, and he's got you know he's got good Bluetooth signal, and uh, he's you know they he's pairing these devices, and they are all sort of working for him at a distance, and uh, and so that's that's what he's been doing, but like we've we found out that he's losing his grip a little bit because of the physical toll of having to work so hard but also he not gets like a glancing blow on him which also she does the cool lion fist thing which is very great for her she finally gets to be like super super cool 
And um, because of the nature of her ability, like it sort of like throws a wrench in his control for a second. And you like see, you almost see him like glitch out for a moment before he's like, ah, I can't let her hit at me again. And then he like really redoubles his efforts and starts to beat her really badly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Okay, this leads to a moment that uh, a lot of people have a lot of problems with. Um, Naruto is connected. <laughs> yeah, Naruto is very connected to a lot of people inside of the show. Um, he He's connected to Hinata um, sort of tangentially, the way that the anime explains yeah. or kind of shows it. Um Inside of the manga, there is more buildup. I've said this before. I, I, you know, I don't want to harp on it too much, but the the manga is is more in depth about the way that this is shown and built up to, and I think well, it's they, done in too of a nuanced way inside of the anime that they literally have to show you all of the moments that he was connected with, uh, with Hinata inside of the past of the show as well as showing you a complete flashback to when she was a kid and um, she got protected by Naruto. That, that flashback yeah, is, is pretty beautiful, though. It's good. It is, this, is, this is partly, though, I think a, a, a bit of a victim of circumstance where it's like the fact that the anime is released in a different way than the manga means that there's been so much more content between this like big moment of connection for these two characters, like she already was introduced as kind of having a crush on him uh, because she's just that sort of, she's that trope of the sort of like soft spoken girl who's nervous around the protagonist because she kind of likes him. Uh, pretty, pretty simple, straightforward example of that trope. And, but she also has this like really sick hero moment. She gets like one good moment in the original Naruto. And then this is her next good moment. And, and it's like in the original Naruto, I think there was less distance content wise between when that first thing happened and now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's like if you're watching Naruto ship it in, like there was, there were over a hundred episodes of filler at the end of the original Naruto. And now we're over a hundred episodes in to Naruto Shippuden. Like it has been years since Naruto ended. And this moment of connection between him and Hinata in the original series was like halfway through the actual content of the first one. It has been a long time. If you're just watching in real time since that happened. So like, it totally makes sense that they need to remind everybody of that. Um, Like I, I get it, I guess. Uh, But it, it, it it works here with this little flashback that's like, hey, she was being bullied. And then Naruto was like, don't fucking bully her. And this was back when nobody liked Naruto, but he was like, I don't give a shit if you like me. I don't bully her. It's pretty, pretty nice. Okay. But it's, it's all going to be in vain because she is going to be slapped down by pain into the ground so hard that it is basically going to take her out to the point where we don't know if she's getting back up. Um, Payne has shown that he gives a zero, zero amount of shits for anybody or anything that's standing in his way. Um, And he is, he was like, if he has to kill somebody, he gives zero qualms about that. Yeah. It's also worth noting that she uh, is in love with Naruto and has been for years. 
and says that out loud for the first time, like right before she is potentially killed in front of his eyes. And that's relevant to what happens next because pain knocks her down. Then he stabs her with one of these control rods, which is sometimes used to control people, but often lately has just been used for fatal stabbings as we just saw with the old man frog. And, uh, and then pain tells Naruto like, Hey, part of the reason there's so much violence in the world is because people are devastated at losing their loved ones. And I'm like, is pain suggesting here that no one should love anyone else and that that will be the solution to violence? Because that seems like a stretch. But yeah, he's basically saying like, hey, I'm killing this girl in front of you to hurt you. So deal. And Naruto is going to deal in a way that I don't think pain was expecting. Yeah. And uh, that is that Naruto is going to go from zero tails <laughs> to four tails. This is yeah. something we have not seen before. Um, yeah. Naruto is His going to have last a biggest full... was three, right? Yeah, but here's the thing: um, he usually goes from himself to a little bit of a shoal, and then one tail into two tails into three tails. He goes from 1 to 50 very fast, or I guess it would be 40. Um, he goes from, I don't know, wait, what is, what is the math here? No, no, it's 50. It's 50. Half of Well, eight. the phrase is 0 to 60, so you got to make it work. Blake, okay, he's nine tails. If it was, so if, if, he, nine if is he had 60. four and a half tails, it would be 50. So 46.3 repeating. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, he's, he's, he's right on at today's anime right and algebra podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, so he's going to get very upset. Um, when he does, he loses all control and he is going to get into an epic Sakaga fight with pain and it it's is great. beautiful and insanity. Um, it is, it, there's, there's lots of like. I, I don't know how much the animators mean for this to be a thing, but uh-huh. it, it looks like they're he, he, the way that pain fights is just like slapping a lot. <laughs> Did you also <laughs> feel that way where he's like spinning uh-huh. around and slapping a lot. Also, there's a Looney Tunes moment. Uh, everybody mark it down. Looney Tunes moment inside of this fucking episode where pain gets literally hammered by the head into the ground. Yes. <laughs> just it- I actually, I need to talk about that. So first of all, I wanted to say this episode makes liberal and I would argue very smart use of taking the characters off model, which is to say, you know, the characters look a certain way. Uh, Their faces are shaped and sized a certain way. This is so that, you know, at, at its most simple form, you can always tell who's who. But also so that there's, you know, co- cohesion. It's like, you know, if you're if you're a less skilled artist, you might draw the same character and their face might be different lengths. If you're doing that as an animation team, it is going to make the audience sick. <laughs> if they're trying to look at a character whose face is constantly stretching and smooshing based on the hand, you know, untrained hand of one artist to the next. So you have character models so that they always look like themselves. But 
sometimes you go off model. And frequently that is unintentional. People are, are in a rush or whatever. But uh, here, Naruto is like, hey, we're going to take these characters off models, specifically by stretching and warping their faces. And we've seen this before. This happens in Naruto's fight against Sasuke in the original series before the time skip. But here, what they're doing with Pain is Pain is moving fast. And he's moving fast because if he doesn't, he's going to get hit so hard that he will die. And so... I think as a way to show the just breakneck pace of this moment, they just take his face and they stretch it. And it's really good. And I really, really like it. But you're right, Spencer. He gets Looney Tunes pounded in the head into the fucking dirt. And he dies, right? Very clearly. And we know that you can't kill the pains because one of them can revive a killed pain. But that until they do revive that killed pain, the pain has been killed. And that revive pain isn't around anymore. So when he dies, how does he not be dead anymore? Yeah. Then it happens again. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, I just like, is this or is this them stretching the face or like what? it seems like it's breaking the rules. Like he literally gets pounded and you see his head, you see his eyes roll up into his head as his, as his head is being smashed in by rocks. And then he's okay. And he seems unfazed. And then it happens again where he gets thrown into a cliff and his body again, Looney Tunes style, like sticks there like a plank and then goes limp and he's clearly dead, except he's not. What's happening? What are the rules? Yeah, it's just crazy, Sime. Um, it yeah, gets but even it's more really crazy cool, so I guess when, it's fine. <laughs> when Payne is going to use his ultimate technique, which is planetary devastation. It is where Payne creates a giant boulder of Earth uh, that turns into basically just like a giant flying meteor, um, and hey, he is Spencer. going to smash Naruto with it. Spencer, how was the moon made? <laughs> is it cheese? <laughs> it's just, it's just like the the amount that this goes to. That <laughs> it's also just like, oh man, there's a there's a moment inside of these episodes too, um, where. Um, Naruto is going to reveal that he, in this form, he is immeasurably more powerful than Pain is. Um, to the point where, like, everything that Pain is doing is trying to just, uh, capture and hold down this beast in, in order to subdue him for enough time so that he can pull him away. Um, but it is going to prove that it is not, it's not going to be enough. However... Before he gets to a full-on nine tails exploding out of Naruto's body situation, um, also I see in the notes you wrote down the thing about the eight tails, um, where he just like turns into like uh, flesh off the body fox monster, oh, actual <laughs> body horror. Uh, yes. Yeah. So they do some cool body horror because he goes, he goes what he starts out at four, he then transitions to six, and four is basically like sort of scratchy lines, energy, somewhat humanoid, somewhat tailed, very similar to when Naruto fought Orochimaru. That was the last time this happened. He went to three tails then. 
and he turned into sort of like a scratchy demonic silhouette that was launching energy blasts and stuff. That happens here. Then he goes, uh, but that's four tails. That was three tails last time. This is four tails this time. Then he goes six tails. And six tails is pretty horrifying by itself because he goes from a sort of like semi-humanoid scratchy silhouette to a all fours silhouette. He's much more fox shaped, but with sort of like humans, humanity around the edges, I guess. But also a skeleton starts to grow around him. Like a fox skeleton begins to appear on his body and it's grotesque. And then he goes eight tails in order to sort of like push back against planetary devastation. And that is when he basically turns into the giant fox demon, but with no skin. And so his tails are like giant versions of the scratchy tail energy that we've seen. But his body is the fox demon, but without skin on it. And so it's just a a giant demonic fox made of like muscles and flesh and it is gross like my stomach is kind of working in a knots just describing it right now however you've activated my trap card said <laughs> minato uh from his you know he's dead but he's well he's left there's a seal inside of naruto's body which is yeah, uh, to like go a, off if he ever a, releases eight like tails a, it's a seal like a lock not a seal like uh an animal like there's yes. not a there's not a sea animal living inside of Naruto, just in case I was worried that people would be confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Minato in, yeah. These, in this, this flash into Naruto's head is going to reveal a couple of things. First and foremost, big reveal. He's Naruto's father. Um, yeah. That is he's a, big, not reveal a big reveal for some people. <laughs> um, we were both just like, didn't we already know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I remember in Naruto when I watched it the first time as a Ute that this was a big reveal. But watching it for the podcast this time, I'm like, okay, was it a big reveal in the manga, but not in the anime? Because I feel like they've been telegraphing that, if not outright saying it. Actually, we know this. We've seen a scene in which Minato is talking to Jiraiya about the baby he's about to have. And we find out that Jiraiya's protagonist is named Naruto and that Minato wants to name his kid Naruto because he found Jiraiya's book to be very inspiring. So we actually, this has actually been explicitly revealed to us as an audience already. But I think that scene maybe was moved around because this is not the first time that they've done flashback information earlier in the anime than in the manga. Uh, We actually saw there was a a little subplot about Kakashi's history in which he did like a a mission when he was a kid. And you find out like who his childhood companions were. That happens in the manga, but it happens much, much, much later. And in the anime, they just front loaded it. And I think that might be what happened here. I think in the anime, this is not a surprise. But if you're reading along, I think this might be the first time it's canonically confirmed. Uh, It's been a long time since I've read the manga, so I might just be making this up based on, like, faulty memories of myself as a college student finding this out. But, like, I remember this being a surprise. Uh, And it's not here at all. Yeah. Um, 
he's going to reveal that uh, that that to Naruto, and Naruto's response is basically like, "You're the one who sealed away the Nine Tails. You sealed it away in me. How could you do that to your own son?" Yeah, and he is going to reveal that it was basically no other choice to do it to anyone else. I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's just like a kind of a messed up thing. Um, yeah. and it's something that he realized that he wasn't going to be around in order to deal with this. So he had to put it into a child at that time before he died in order to make sure that, uh, the entire village wasn't destroyed. It's like yeah, a, it's like that was the a only greater good question, right? The, oh, the only it's not like that's the only solution in the universe to stopping the demon, but like in that moment, I'm not going to be able to survive this. What can I do with what I know right now? It seems like that's kind of the the calculation he was making. Did is that where you're coming from too? Yeah, it's just it. It was like a. It was like a. Oh shit! Uh, I need to. I need to put away this bomb before it explodes. So I need a baby and I have this one right here. I could go get a different baby, but I don't know that baby. Um, so I guess I'll, I will seal it away in this baby. Um, and hopefully it won't come back to haunt me. Um, Oh, I have an idea. What if I haunt the baby, but only if he reveals, But only if shit is really hitting the fan. Yeah, yeah. Like, he won't know I'm his dad unless, like, shit goes really bad. And then, yeah, and I I will tell him that. Of a dad. (laughs) Uh, I guess it's technically not Minato's fault that nobody had told him that beforehand. Because if I remember correctly, he's like, I'm your dad. And Naruto's like, oh, for real? And Minato's like, oh, that was news. (laughs) And so I think. I think Minato did not realize that putting the demon into the baby and then being died is not a recipe for baby's life to be good. Yeah. Uh, And Minato is surprised by this, Mm -hmm. which I guess is fine. Minato was the president and he's probably like, well, if the president is killed, think about this. If Joe Biden... (laughs) were suddenly in a life or death struggle against a giant demon that was summoned to attack America. And he was killed in that struggle, but by dying, he saved America from the demon by putting it into his baby. (laughs) I think Joe would reasonably assume that Americans would be like, in gratitude for Joe's sacrifice, we will take care of Joe's baby. (laughs) But instead, they were like, Joe's baby can go fuck himself. Everybody, nobody talk to Joe's baby. If you talk to, I swear to God, if you talk to Joe's baby, and especially if you tell Joe's baby why we hate him, it's not okay. None of us are going to do it. We're all going to ignore Joe's baby. We're all going to make Joe's baby feel like shit, and we're not going to tell it why. That was their strategy. And I, you know, saying it out loud, I can see why Minato was a little surprised that that's how things went. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the most likely outcome. <laughs> it does not seem like the nation grateful for its protection to be like, yeah, fuck your kid. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We also need to talk about the end of this fight. Uh, <clears throat> here's the problem with the end of this fight. <laughs> you, you know where it's going. <laughs> if you've seen Naruto fight ever, <laughs> which is that pain is going to be like, okay, I've got this devastation attack. He looks like he's giving away his Fox chakra. Um, maybe he's not going to be able to stand up against me. So I'll just go ahead and uh, take him down so that I can steal him away. And Naruto is just like, but I'm awake. And also, if I'm awake and it's the end of the fight, I'm going to do two things. First, more Rasengan shurikens. Uh-huh. Two, shadow clones. It's the answer to every problem I've Spencer. ever faced. And I will fight with more shadow clones. <laughs> I have a counterpoint. The true finale of Naruto that he proposes here is, can I just talk to you for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) And he literally, he's literally like, (laughs) Hey pain. I know we've been beating the shit out of each other, but can I talk to you for a second? And pain is like, fuck you. No. And Naruto's like, okay, I'm going to have to kill you, but I will talk to you. I I will kill you. And then you're just going to have to listen to what I have to say. It's the greatest ninjutsu in Naruto conversation. (laughs) And I just love, I just love the fact that like, this is a running gag in the Naruto world and in it, in the fandom is like talk. No jutsu is the most powerful jutsu. And in this fight, Naruto's literally like, can we stop talking so we can have a conversation? He just says it outright instead of doing it. And it's so funny. And then the fact that pain is like, no, fuck you is even better. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, he is going to take out pain and he is going to take a piece of pain's uh like amplification rod um and he is going to go find Nagato face to face. Um by stabbing himself repeatedly by the way. He keeps stabbing himself. At one point I was like stop stabbing yourself. Mm-hmm. You you've done it. We understand. Stop doing it. Yeah. He just jams it into his hand at one point. I'm like stop it. Yeah, and he's going to go talk to Nagato and Conan. Um, and Not O'Brien. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine <laughs> if Conan O'Brien was Payne's yeah. right-hand man? And Payne was like, the world must know Payne. And Conan was like, and tonight we have uh, Ana Del Armas on our show. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they're going to have a conversation. Um, the conversation is basically going to go like this. Um, are you here to kill me? Maybe. Okay, I'm going to stab you then. Are you here to kill me? I guess not. Okay, so I need you to do my bidding as my final desire before I die. And all I kept on thinking was just like, who the fuck are you <laughs> to request so the peace? After you're just like, you know, your home village, you know, everyone you love, I killed them. So uh-huh. please do remember my that last house of yours. <laughs> do you remember, remember the house you had where you lived as a fucking orphan? Cause everyone hated you. It's gone. I broke it. Yeah. It's, like, it. it's like that moment in 30 rock when Liz is just like, is this you asking me for a favor? 
Yeah, it's absolutely like that. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, but Naruto's just like fine. <laughs> well, he's he's the the real thing is that both Naruto and Nagato want there to be peace. And as we said, Nagato's going about it in a way that Naruto is not cool with. And so Nagato's like, are you going to do peace or not? And Naruto's like, well, here's the thing. Tell me your life story. And Nagato's like, okay. (laughs) And then the episode ends. And if you're watching along at home and you want to get a jump on what we're going to talk about next time on Naruto... Do not watch the next two episodes because it does something else. They decide after this episode, Nagato's like, I will tell you my life story and you will understand everything that uh, that has happened in Naruto Shippuden. And some of which has happened in Naruto because I'm going to give you the context that you never had. And all, everything's going to become clear to you. This whole story will open up before you. And it, uh, but also there's going to be a two episode filler arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so yeah, Nagato's going to tell us a story when we come back to Naruto. But if you're watching along at home, skip the filler that happens in between him saying that and actually doing it. Yeah. Okay. So with that, be prepared because we have, uh, you know, to take a little break. Uh, it's not going to be before you get a year-end review um, so stick with us after these credits and we'll give you a brief preview of what's coming on in the year in review. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&SGetJumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. 
Jingle bells, oh Christmas this is time. The worst. Bells turn about a song about Rashad, bells. Cut all of this. Christmas we, is no, the bell song no, we time. Did it. And no, we didn't make a good version of it. Mostly bells. We gotta bells just try to do better next year. Bells are bells. They chime like by, a song.